that speech when they're in the car together oof oof chef's kiss beautiful if more mothers dragged their nonsense sons like that i feel like the world will heal i feel like the world would become a slightly better place like men are a horrid thing but you know what makes men way more horrid mothers that just like accept their bs podcast hyperfixated on the relationship status of fictional couples across the board as always it is your boy Zomaralex. nothing more nothing less from the east not the west for cutie that don't relax top of the morning to your lovers <laughs> oh my word that actually sounded quite accurate i think i think watching dairy girls has reignited my inner irish accent that time when i was recording um rosie and alex book special i'd been in deficit i hadn't watched anything i hadn't heard anything but now now it's reinforced now it's we're going strong now i know this is a broadcast at night so like it doesn't make sense to even say top of the morning but i just i wanted to be on theme today and the theme will become much clearer as the episode goes on more importantly though how are y'all doing how's it how's it going lovers how's october treating you we are officially i guess midway through october it's safe to ask now am i the only person counting down the days to halloween <laughs> i i usually have a countdown on instagram but this time i'm just I'm doing it with my very organic brain. Like I'm just counting the days. I could count the hours if I didn't have a mathematically challenged brain. But I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I'm well aware that it's not a big deal in this country. And you guys go off about it every single year. But honestly, I have never minded. In fact, I've never cared it's important to me it's a holiday in my eyes what is vexing me right now is that due to circumstances potentially above my control i can't get my costume together like i don't know how i've done it but i've somehow managed to have a costume or done some cosplay of some sort consecutively for the past two years and you know it's been fun it's been great but this year like i said circumstances circumstances are just not allowing it's the weapons have formed and succeeded and i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna get around this but I think I can, I think I can, I think I can get, I overcome this because all that's really missing is an appropriate dress for my idea. And you know, a dress, 
I just is not a huge spanner in the works. You just you just need to work hard. So I'm gonna work hard. I don't even do this for anyone. <laughs> Literally, this is for me and my few Instagram followers that even care about Halloween. But letting y'all know the weapons, they may have formed, they may have succeeded, but there's a round two. Okay. More importantly, most importantly, today, today, as always, we are looking at something a little bit more terrifying than Halloween, romantic relationships. And nothing is scarier than romantic relationships that are steeped in realism. There's like, it's just love. <laughs> it's just people and love. There are no mythical monsters. There are no horse carriages. There's no slapstick comedy to create embarrassment and momentarily make you forget that these are real people. None of that. This is real, raw romance. And it's so sad. It's, it's so devastating. Like... Lovers, we've we've covered morbid things before. Like it's it's not a new concept on this podcast. But these these two right here, they they broke me. They made me so sad. Like if rom coms are meant to leave audiences with this sense of hope for their personal futures, this show left me with nothing but dread and painful self-awareness yet somehow i absolutely adored this pair today lovers we are talking about the doting duo all the way from ireland another book adaptation this week unplanned i just i keep finding them book adaptation from the very talented sally rooney i'm talking about marianne sheridan and Connell Waldron from the BBC drama Normal People. <sighs> First deep side just for these two, but also deep side lovers, I must confess. Back you are Pantanati back in the day, meanwhile, it's literally two years ago, but also like just for the past two years. I have seen the internet going mad for these two and you know, it was a lot of stuff. It was posts, it was reviews, it was Tumblr posts with the quotes and everything. And it was all genuinely, it's appreciation, but it's also people saying that they got their hearts ripped out from this show. I saw all of that. And despite my nature, I completely ignored the series. I... I just, I did not look at it until very recently. Mainly because, judging from people's emotions and posts, I thought that I was never gonna, I was never in the headspace for what I imagined these two would put me through, judging by people's emotions. Had I known that I'd never be ready, <laughs> that nothing could prepare me, I would have just watched the show much, much sooner. Like, rip the band-aid off, get it over and done with. Because, oof, oof. But despite all the pain, I think the show was great. Absolutely stunning. 
romantic drama work it is a drama in every sense just like chronicling the evolution of this pair from very confused and lost teens to equally confused young adults trying to find their way in this world and i loved all of it loved all of it they really grow on you and if you're not already in love with them from episode two you're gonna feel some things later in the show but it's so good i i loved it and i wanted to look at them because beyond it being great these two felt like real people do pardon the hosier pun did not intend it but yes they are a, a take on realism that wasn't absolutely annoying to me in as much as this pod is meant to be taking the absolutely fictional and analyzing it with a realism lens i think that sometimes it does help to look at works that aren't all that fictional to begin with and make my job a little bit easier you know make it easy to relate the stuff to the people around you people watching it the people consuming this media i i saw so many women that i know of heard of that are just like marianne i saw a handful of men that i know in connell that's not even like an insult to men i just i only genuinely i only know about six men but yeah there's just these lessons from both parties that I felt were important to discuss and elements of their relationship that I wanted to child, I couldn't even analyze these two. Like the analyst part of the show implies that I think there's a way they could have done better. And here I just oh I would need to be a super qualified psychologist, but I'm just a random dude on the internet rambling at actually at this point i'm rambling this is such a long intro let me cut the chit chat and get straight into the thick of the situation firstly and more importantly though most super most important we have to get into the production details find out about how this mini series was made all the people involved appreciate them give them their due flowers and then we will get right into Marianne and Connell. This show was created by Lenny Abrahamson and Hetty McDonald in 2020. Most of the episodes were directed by McDonald and Abrahamson. And then we had our author Sally Rooney and Alice Birch in the writer's room. And I think we have a unique and lovely situation with the show where the author of the book the story is adapted from was heavily involved in the writing. I think also some of the producing. Like she had her hand right in the pot. In fact, I think. I think she wrote six 
how many episodes are there there's about there's about 12 or 16 i really can't remember right now but she wrote half of them and then bursh wrote the other half so it was like equal equal separation equal involvement and all that i will always look out for situations like this because i think it's so i need to stop saying important i think it's so hmm no sorry important is the only word i can think of i think it's so important to keep the original authors of the text in the loop with these kinds of adaptations if the authors are alive i'm so sorry to jane austen i'm sure she would have lovely notes about all her adapted work i mean yes sally rooney is on top of being this lovely author novelist with hit novels on her hands she is also a talented screenwriter so maybe being involved and maybe the shift of um being in the writer's room for this wasn't that difficult for her and i wish that um other novelists had like that opportunity or that chance to just like be in the room and be trusted immediately but it doesn't matter even if they're even if they're not at that skill set i think they should always just be in the room you know no one knows these fictional characters quite like their creators and i think it's always going to be beneficial to have their input on the story their input on how the story can be translated to the screen you know just bring them in make it a big old collaboration i think another big help to this story was making it a limited series in fact in fact i think it might be the best decision that they made in the production of this movies i've said this before i complain about it all the time movies limit the quality or like the potential of adaptations that's personally what i think it's just that there's only so much that i think we can cover in that 90 minutes almost 120 minute um range that we we get for movies people many have tried many have failed it's it's not good it's not it's not enough time to really get into all the bits and pieces of a really good book this entire series is about 342 minutes and that's 342 minutes of space to tell this story that spans a few years spans two different characters like emotional and personal growth and it feels sufficient i can't comment on how it is and as, as an adaptation because this time i did not have the heart to read the book i actually didn't i didn't even try because i truly did not want to cry more than i have already it's just if a, if a show adapted from a book can make me so sad and make me so miserable i don't even want to touch the book like because books books take you to a place they take you to a place 
where if you are not emotionally ready for this, you will find yourself 3 p.m. in the afternoon wailing on a couch somewhere in some library because you, you're never quite ready for where a book will take you. But despite my emotional weakness, I, I watched it and I didn't even feel like I had to read the book. I mean, one day I will, surely. But because of how well I feel like they've, that they've done the work, it didn't feel necessary for me to subsidize with the physical text. And yeah, shows, limited series, miniseries, I think they're the perfect packaging for stories like this. And also, on top of um, adhering to the text and representing the text very well, it also had very beautiful and understated shots used. I feel like they took, they realized that, okay, we're going to have a visual medium for this, this story. We might as well lean into all the tools that we have when it comes to visual representation. So... I feel like a lot of the shots kind of illustrate where both of these characters are mentally or like they illustrate the emotions that we're not hearing about. There's times where, um, for example, a person is feeling isolated maybe and you'll get this wide shot with all this empty space around them so you can like feel how small they are, feel the loneliness of it all. Or... They'll switch it up. They'll have you this. They'll have this character be in a crowded room, and you know people are moving, people are shaking. But the way that the camera is set and the way that the focus is set on this person's face, where you can see that they're not here, they're not in it, they're not, they're not feeling all the things happening, and they're kind of, they're feeling alone in this very crowded space. Those those kinds of things, they extend how well the story is being told. And like I said, realism, guys, it's, it's tough to really take things that happen to normal people and make them look interesting or take things from real life and make us feel things for them. But they managed to do that through this cinematography, through this writing, through this everything and yeah i'm really happy that if you're gonna adapt a text you have this advantage of the visual you have this advantage of like movie making magic use it to the best of your abilities do do what the books couldn't do for us you know also always appreciate a well illuminated shot like oh guys Please, it's nice to see the characters that we're, we're focused on. Please light up this, light up the set. I want to see everyone's face. Please. I also feel like un, unintentionally, this was a great tourism campaign for Ireland. Like I always say, romantic movies can really make you want to go somewhere and make you want to see a place just based off how they shoot it. And this is double nice because I feel like with Irish um, movies or shows, they're usually pushing Dublin because, you know, big city, major major city, that's where you'd want to draw the people. But because of this show, now I'm interested in 
other maybe smaller parts of the country more more country parts of the country like Sligo sounds terrible sounds very depressing for our leads and i get it when you're a small town person as a teenager it's any in your hometown will always sound like it sucks but because of how they shot it because of how it was shown in this show it sounded very appealing to me again i think i just have foreigners eyes but yeah yeah good on good on them good on them on to the cast leading us <laughs> i'm sorry leading us through this goal we have our beautiful leads wonderful thespians portraying the leading lady we have top actress daisy edgar jones as marianne sheridan edgar jones she has been in big projects huge such as when the crow dog when the crow dads woo sing under the banner of heaven fresh gentleman jack and others many many others and i recently discovered painfully through research that she is only a year older than me i tried to say that without being sick immediately <sighs> guys who i'm a major fan i think she's awesome i think she is a powerhouse but something about something about knowing that people you admire and that you think are like way bigger than you well she is way bigger than me something about knowing that those people are your age mates mm. Mm. it just it hurts it hurts it will never stop hurting um very proud of her though very proud of all that she's done and is still to do what a woman by her side as the leading lad we have paul mescal as connell waldron yeah mescal is also quite a big stepper he has been in the last daughter of the sun god's creatures and so much more on the way also great thespian wonderful wonderful actor i i loved his work here and i hope to see his other projects and marvel at his work some more he's slightly older than me which was thank god you know i must say i have personally I've never gotten the blue eyes hype like you know that whole that whole mystification that the whole world has with blue-eyed people I've never gotten it you you can call me an anti-nazi I I just think they're okay I think they're an eye color that exists and that's fine sometimes and oftentimes they are scary looking but I've been indifferent mostly but this man right here, <laughs> this man right here, there's something about his in particular. Like when he'd stare through the screen in absolute misery, maybe after he just bawled his eyes out or maybe he's just, 
he's just suffering in general i i get so lost in those baby blues like they were hypnotizing like scary still very scary still but the sadness i'd see through them just like the misery that i'd feel through them i don't know i feel like his eyes deserve a bathtub <laughs> maybe that's why he won a bathtub for this role actually um good on him good on daisy edgar jones lovely pair lovely pair honorable mentions firstly massive and very loud praise for sarah green miss sarah green portrays lorraine waldron who is connell's lovely amazing mother what a woman what a woman what a mother i i loved her work here i felt the love throughout i felt the nurturing the best of times the worst of times she killed it i i loved her so much we've also got desmond eastwood elliot salt Eof Hines, Iceland McGuckin, McGuckin, Frank Blake, and the rest of the supporting cast. All so wonderful, all so good. Even the evil people. <laughs> That's probably why I said the rest of the supporting cast. Like they were the evil characters in this were so good. I now hate a bunch of random people that I do not know because they portrayed their roles so well in this show <sighs> give it up for thespians guys thespians thespians they get it done plot if you have never watched this show um i'd highly recommend it only if you're in the right frame of mind when you search up this show on letterboxd one of the first, one of the top reviews on it is someone saying, if you are lonely and horny, this is the worst thing you could watch. Do not do it. So I think that's solid advice. So I'm passing on this lovely warning and I'm hoping you heed it. I hope, I hope you listen to us because you don't need any more problems. You know what I'm saying? If everything is okay and you're like a happy chappy and you can do it then sure please do go ahead please watch this give it your time um south african lovers it is on showmax please get into it yeah break your own heart if you have seen it but it's been a while since you did here is a small refresher <clears throat> i'm not gonna do this in an irish accent because i respect the irish way too much our story follows two troubled people from their secret adolescent relations to their complicated young adult dating dilemmas. As they grow up, they experience all the conflicting and confusing trials of their personal journeys while simultaneously navigating their romantic hiccups. So like basically what I've gathered from this is, it's like Love Rosie but they get the sex out of the way almost immediately and they only really become best friends later these two marianne and connell they are <laughs> riddled with the tragedies of everyday life both 
in the like softest way of saying it and like the most hectic way of saying it like their lives oof, like their backgrounds their college era and their mental health are they're all in turmoil half the time normally i avoid shows like this because you know i be i watch movies and shows purely to well not purely i mean i'm also admiring the artwork but you know i'm also i'm here for the escapism i'm also here to feel like i don't i am not who i am i'm now focused solely on this person so it becomes a little difficult to experience this escapism if things are a little bit too real if things are a bit too raw but i didn't mind it here i didn't i didn't run away screaming here the realism and the the hardships they they don't last forever they last for quite some time but not forever and eventually our couple find a way to defeat all of these complications in their own unique ways i think it's also just wonderful seeing two people love each other so much through those trials and through those tribulations they're not sticking around through bad stuff in that that sleep bird way you see some people do it they are really supportive partners through all of this they genuinely care for the other person and they want to make sure that that person has all the support that they need <sighs> Marianne and Connell feed into each other without absolutely giving their beings to this person. Like they feed into each other while still being holistic, proper human beings all on their own. I also enjoy how in this I don't know if it's in the writing, I don't know if it's in the production company, they use their physical relationship gosh yeah big words they use their physical relationship to kind of illustrate the progression of things for this couple like not always you know it's it's so annoying sex scenes that you can clearly see that this was this was done purely for the sake of it like you they hbo'd it where they can like have sex scenes just because they can it it adds nothing it takes away nothing it's merely just this thing that exists to kind of appease somebody i still don't know who they're meant to appease but here i felt like they were another element of the story they were a part of this relationship a marker for this relationship in some ways and i'd hope that this is the direction we're going in the evolution of displaying sexual intimacy on the screen i'd hope that this is where we're going with the work that goes into creating these environments creating these simulations of physical love i have all this hope but it's it's really it's wishful thinking even even just thinking about it moving steadily along here they are Miss Sheridan and Mr. Waldron.
I want the record to reflect that I am shooting this in the absolute darkness because um, ESCOM hates us and they'll never stop. <laughs> but yes, back to the couple at hand. There is so much that happens to these two. When I was plotting and planning and drafting this episode, I'm, everything else was so easy except the analytic part which is where we're at because usually when i have to talk about a couple it's because that I, it's because i have something to add something to say but the subject matter here is so long it's so intense i felt like my commentary and my analysis it couldn't it couldn't even begin to summarize everything well enough i literally i will take a picture of my notebook i will not show everyone because then you guys will see my my, my thought processes but I, I basically i had to break this relationship up into quarters just to make sense of it all for you lovers that's the work that i put into the show but yes we have to start somewhere and we start by the beginning where we meet marianne and connell in high school in the the really really shallow side of teenage social culture guys okay before we like get into it but this is still relating to them the concept of dating below your popularity status is so difficult for me to grasp because I went to a girls only high school and also I'd like to believe we didn't care for the shit. Like I, I would love to believe that no one was considering what dating a certain person would do for their social status over and above their personal romantic feelings for them. I'm saying I'd like to believe because I wasn't dating in high school so I genuinely I don't know. But that's the issue that our leads find themselves in. Where you have Connell, who is this big shot rugby player, popular lad, and all around very well received by the people in his in his community, in his high school community. Then there's Marianne, who is a reserved intellect that somehow, some way gets tagged as some uppity snob and is treated poorly because of this and i don't get it because honestly beyond her defense mechanisms and being rude to that one teacher and that one scene i never understood why she got labeled as such like there was fine if, if she's rich maybe she's possibly uppity but she never really treated anybody like she was a petite if you judge how those other boys mistreated her like you just can't see why she would have to be nice to them in the first place but our connell he gets access to a different marianne and a marianne away from the high school rumors and assumptions he sees the marianne at home version Lorraine, Connell's mother, she works for the Sheridans, 
so he happens to be there often and Lorraine has a very good relationship with Marianne that makes it easy for Marianne to not always have her defenses up because like there's nothing there's nothing to fight with Lorraine Lorraine's just a lovely woman like I said and you see it only with Lorraine because she has to kind of have her defenses up when her mother Denise or her brother Alan are around because <sighs> lovers I'll I'll get to those two later on in the episode because they don't deserve the airtime but yeah terrible people and they're important for us knowing why Marianne is the type of person that she is but we only we only really get around to figuring that out much later in the show but just just know that they are the reason why all I'll say for now is Marianne acts the way that she acts around her peers and her family. And it's not the same way she acts when Lorraine is around because she allows her to be comfortable. She allows her to be herself with no judgment and no, and no malicious intentions. So because of that, I feel like Connell gets this privilege of seeing that version of Marianne as well and I guess that forms the safe or the comfortable space for their relationship to grow in the first place at first it seems that Connell is like merely doing Marianne a favor she I remember she wanted to just experience um what it was like to kiss a boy or like what it was like to be in this idea of a romantic relationship in your teens and he didn't do it in a pitying way but i don't know why he does it his reasons are never quite clear to us he agrees to go forth and help her on this on this discovery and somehow this grows beyond that one favor and it makes sense though it's not like a really shocking development when it happens they have all the ingredients for attraction to build up they spend lots of time together they see each other nearly every day and they have these personal things that link them to one another prior to marianne getting close to marianne connell didn't have anyone to share his true interests with like yes he's this jock he's this hunky man and he kind of goes against that archetype of being a secret genius a literature genius might i add when it got to that part in the show i was like as if this man isn't hot enough he has to go and be my literal type when he's in college there's a part where he's giving a literary analysis about a book and <laughs> I crumbled i i simply evaporated into the stratosphere i thought this was written for me but that's not the point we're not there yet anyway he's the secret genius he's, he's the secret literature genius and his friends aren't really the people that he can share this with and so marianne becomes 
his kind of his confidant in this he beca- she becomes this place where he can be himself and she reciprocates the vulnerability she's very open she's very honest with him and her feelings and her thoughts about the world and things that she's going through you mix this vulnerability with how much sex these two were having and eventually they're a proper couple except for the fact that no one knows it's it's like the reverse of let's pretend that we're dating except it's detrimental to their situation and it becomes a running theme for this pay even beyond this high school phase that they're in in high school it's all about that different groups thing that different cliques thing the the popularity status of someone which again very absurd to me but yeah they keep it a secret to kind of protect Connell from the social ramifications of associating with people below you i guess which is a wasted exercise because much later into the into their high school career connell's friends because the rumor starts that connell is with marianne and connell's friends they admit that like if this is a real rumor and you guys really are a couple like no one would care no one would be bothered so you begin to ask yourself who are they doing this for who are they protecting who are they who are they hiding from and i think what makes matters worse is how connell in this secret pursuit of marianne he never defends marianne from the the insults and the bullying that she specifically gets from his friends when he is present there's a part where marianne is standing in front of her locker and one of connell's friends he he provokes marianne about something she she literally was not even looking at them she wasn't doing anything and in his at the end of their exchange he ends up calling her and i quote a flat a flat chested bitch if if i remember correctly but it's something along those lines and you know (laughs) boyfriend status aside how are you letting anyone associated with you just be so randomly cruel and vile towards an innocent person and you're quiet you do nothing you sit there you eat your lunch I, oh and i think it's particularly worse because later in the in the day that 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 i happened this guy is gonna go and make out with this person and try to make it seem like uh my friend you know how he is he was just messing around a bit oh that made me so mad i wanted to scream i that's where i mentally checked out that's where i was like marianne please do better you can do better leave the situation right now but i get it her situation was intense she she is this young girl she's a teenage girl who feels like this is it for her and when you're a teenage girl and you have been dubbed absolutely undesirable by the people around you or even treated as such you can sometimes let any old thing happen to you in a romantic relationship because you don't want to mess up 
what feels like your only chance at romance. And you add that on top of how her family was treating her like she was this person that was undeserving of basic human kindness. It it all makes you understand why she goes through so much and endures so much. I think that the only compensation slash revenge we get is that scene where okay so Lorraine eventually figures out that her her son is dating Marianne and so she asks about oh Connell decided that he's gonna ask another girl out to their school dance and he does not think that there's anything wrong with this so Lorraine finds out and she absolutely drags her son when she hears about the dancing when she hears about all of his all of his bad behavior she she lets him have it that speech when they're in the car together oof oof oof, chef's kiss beautiful if more mothers dragged their nonsense sons like that i feel like the world will heal i feel like the world would become a slightly better place like men are a horrid thing. But you know what makes men way more horrid? Mothers that just like accept their BS. So shout out Lorraine. I love you. Just for that. So. Judging by his actions. You know Marianne eventually has enough. And she does eventually ghost Connell. And this indifferent and nonchalant armor that he's been wearing all along. Is absolutely torn down and destroyed. Like this boy loses it. He is lost without the only genuine connection he's ever formed in Sligo. There's that part of the dance where he's walking around the streets very drunk and he's crying, bawling his eyes out as he leaves a voicemail for Marianne. And personally, I was reveling in it because, like, you know, revenge. But there was a point. Also, I was like, this is an important lesson for him to learn. You treat people poorly and they are capable of cutting you off. Like you do not get to get a second, third chance when you are doing things that you don't need to be doing. You are doing silly things that absolutely do not absolve you. You just need to shift away from the foolish teen boy era that you're in and, you know, grow the fuck up. And he does when he eventually goes to be at Trinity College where he is pursuing a degree that my girl Marianne encouraged him to do when no one was really pushing him in that direction. Just wanted to add. So he's at Trinity and it's a really rocky start for him. He knows no one, you know, no one in big city Dublin cares that he was a big shot in his little town of Sligo and he has to build himself up again. It's clearly difficult for him. It's it's very hard and first year rebranding can be so difficult because you're this blank canvas but at the same time you're not too sure who you really are so you're relying on a painter with no real skill set in the field and i feel like he only finds relief when he bumps into marianne again 
Marianne has undergone her own college rebranding, but in this world, she's not the socially isolated and introverted girl he met in high school. She's different, you know. She has power now. She has presence. She has friends. Friends. And it's lovely because it shows us that Marianne Sheridan knows who the fuck she is now. She doesn't have to rely on anybody to to know her self-worth. She's suddenly the person in charge. And so she has nothing to gain from Connell. She is, however, still struggling in the love department. You know, no one's perfect. No one's No one's figured this thing out. And there's this new man of hers. I think his name was Gareth. It's drastically different with Gareth. And drastically different in a bad way. Gareth himself was not really the best of men. But this, this coupling, there was never a moment where I was convinced that, oh, okay, Marianne is fully in this thing with him. They didn't even have the three C's. They, they barely had the communication C. They were just floating along, really. And it's important to see that because just because Marianne's in this new empowered era, it doesn't mean that everything is suddenly easier for her, especially in her love choices. She's, she's being loved out loud and publicly, and that's nice, but it's not the same, you know, it's not, it's not giving. And I think that's why there's so much commotion in her heart when Connell returns. I say returns like they didn't bump into each other at a party. The two of them, they try, they try to ignore what's going on here for some time. But because I feel like they're each other's true norths, they just cling back together in all of this confusing newness of college. I appreciate that they get to start up again away from that pseudo pressure they were experiencing back home because like I said, they're true they're each other's true norths and that spark that they have clearly never left. It irritates um, Gareth often. But they also have that support and that safety in each other that's still quite there. And you really, you really start to believe that, okay, they can do this this time. Nothing can wreck this. This is perfect. <sighs> Until that little gremlin, Jamie, he gets too loud. He gets a bit too ambitious. Lovers. I talk about villains in all of these stories often. Jamie is the worst villain ever the level of evil in that little man's body <sighs> lucifer has been a kinder person and it was annoying because he was meant to be marion's friend like actually amongst that entire crowd i know that i was happy that my girl got friends in college but they were all really bad people i think the only genuine person there was my girl joanna Joanna is lovely. Shout out to her. Screw everybody else. But yes, back to evil man, Jamie. Jamie, he has this hold on Marianne that mirrors that of her older brother. And you must understand with Marianne that she is this woman that witnessed domestic violence towards her mother. 
and she later experiences verbal and physical abuse from her brother for reasons that he never really made understandable. We see her endure some of these things, some of these abusive tactics from Jamie as well. There was no way that she wasn't going to have trouble with the power dynamics in her relationships with men, both romantic and not romantic. You know, society would love to believe that the cure for victims of such is to simply encounter a safe and genuine love once in their lives and they'll unlearn everything they think they know and that's simply not true. Her relationship and her standing with Connell does not mean that she can never fall victim to these things again because it's not it doesn't it doesn't work like that guys trauma trauma is so deeply ingrained in us even if she was in like therapy for it taking medication for it it doesn't stop how she's being treated outside like she doesn't stop how men are treating her outside and I just felt like Marianne was stuck in all of that. So, for re- those reasons, I do not judge her at all for dumping Connell. It made me upset. I wish it weren't that odd way that it happened. But I understand. I understand where she was coming from. I understand what the influences in her life were, were doing to make her reach that decision. And even the pair of them, they realize a few a few years later that all of this could have been resolved if they just spoke honestly and openly. And this is not a criticism reserved only for Marianne. Connell had a serious problem with voicing his thoughts and feelings half the time. And we, we clearly see why that is for Marianne. But I never saw why that was for him. Because, you know, he he seems to be in such a accommodating, supporting environment, both growing up in high school. Like, he, they never felt like a time where he couldn't do that. Like, L- Lorraine's mothering to Marianne's support to his loving parents, Connell was quite free. So I imagine maybe it's one of those things, the situations where... He was suffering from subjective kind of toxic masculinity pressures to not be like that, to not be open and free and honest in his ways. And he carried that around with him. Maybe that's what was up. But it doesn't, it doesn't save him. It doesn't save this relationship. So despite not wanting to, they break up. And Marianne gets with toxic evil gremlin Jamie. And Connell starts dating the lovely Helen. Here, guys, Helen. I I felt so bad for Helen. In the stories of soulmates that we covered, we cover in the past and are still going to cover, I always feel like there are people that are the collateral damage because they're not the soulmate, soulmate at the end of this whole. So they're only getting half a partner in all of this 
and Helen Helen was collateral damage. And Connell tries, like he really tried to be all there, but I also I just feel like he couldn't deny his heart's true desires. And I saw that clearly during the Italy trip. <sighs> Marianne and Connell, you could cut the tension with that paper clip half the time. I feel like the only time that these two get peace during that trip is that little shopping trip that they have. You know, when they cycle to town and they're having a good time. That was so cute. It literally, it melted my heart into a puddle. So, so, so cute. And I, I wish they could have stayed in that moment, like safe and carefree and open, even though it wasn't a romantic situation as such. They had this environment to support each other. They had this environment to kind of relax and they needed, they need, they needed that space, especially Marianne, who, when they recreate that kind of um, environment later on in the episode, Marianne begins to tell Connell the painful details of date of dating Jamie, and it hurt. It hurt so bad. It hurt just to hear about how this person you love is suffering, and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. You just have to. You have to hope that they can free themselves because you can't you can't pull them out you can't where you're gonna where you're gonna take them like connor was busy with helen like lots of things were going on he just had to be there for her after the today trip there is this huge time jump and we meet these two at a different part of their college lives and things are looking up while simultaneously looking very bleak you know, Marianne is in Sweden now. I think she was she was there for school research as a part of her degree, but she was there. And because she's there now, she completely cut off Jamie. She's off that toxic shit. Um, she's cut off most of her toxic friend circle, except my girl Joanna, shout out. And she's in this country, she's alone. But I feel like she was better off in that alone. She was in a better space her to be alone like that Connell also still doing school and Helen um so you get this idea that everybody's happy everyone's Gucci everything's going great there's that physical distance now between the two that is making it a little easier to live separate lives unfortunately despite looks not tall as well I think that the the repercussions of her relationship with Jamie are they've done so much damage in Marianne and they kind of cross over into her next relationship with her last boyfriend. I think his name yes, Lucas. See lovers. Um Jamie introduced a very terrifying and unloving version of bdsm into their sex lives while they were dating where it felt like he was just he was using the title bdsm but it felt like he was just using it to justify hurting this woman emotionally and a bit physically and i guess that forms this 
this thought process in her brain that like, oh, this is what men want from me. I should do what the men in my life want for me to do, even if it's something like this. So she brings it up with her latest man because she isn't feeling their relationship too much. And she thinks that what's missing is the degradation. I'm so sorry if that's bad English. Or like the mistreatment that she's experienced in the past. This part was so difficult to watch, but I, I, it got me thinking. I feel like we should all examine where our sexual kinks come from, where they originated from, because first of all, I didn't even know where people's kinks come from. They don't, I'm shocked that we don't really cover it in psychology. Maybe it's because of um, purity culture. I don't know. But I think it's important for people to look at themselves, look at what they like, and kind of go, why? And I wanted on a quest to kind of do that. I had asked people, I asked around for people to kind of tell me what, where they think they come from. Most people cited being influenced by media, you know, seeing or reading something and then having your interest peaked. And then some people said you quite literally you fuck around and find out you can try things out keep the stuff that makes sense to you and is pleasurable to you and chuck the stuff that isn't really thing that isn't really pleasurable because that's how you figure yourself out is through experiences and then other people listed sexual trauma which makes sense like you get put into the situation and it's sometimes difficult for your brain to separate that this is a terrible thing that happened to me and also kind of understanding that it's like this isn't who i actually want to be or this is not the way that i want to experience this thing forever which is where i wanted to get at with this episode i personally i classify what jamie was doing as assault because One of the markers, one of the major criteria for BDSM is to kind of ensure that both parties are happy with this and they are enjoying this. If you are using sex to hurt someone purely, no care for how they feel, no care for how they might take the situation, just to like seriously injure or to permanently degrade. I have news for you. You're not having sex. <laughs> you you're not you're not doing it. And I think especially to enact it on someone who is already a victim. I don't know if Marianne ever told him. I personally wouldn't. Jamie is a monster. But to do that to somebody that's already a victim and try to pass it off as a king. Evil. Evil, 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 evil. It made me so mad at both of these men. Like Lucas might even be a worse person because there's he didn't need to do this. He didn't have to agree to keep this going. He could have taken the common route and been like, mm, I don't want to do this to you. I think it's bad, you know. And so that's happening. And then on the other side of things, it's getting very dark for our boy Colonel. He's also enduring some mental health struggles. One of his high school mates commits suicide and it shakes up his whole world. 
it shifts this idea of his or this pressure of his to never really talk about how you're feeling because now he is he's suffering he's really going through so much all in his little head and he's experiencing the real life aftermath of somebody that was experiencing that similar pressure and he just he, he sees that there's no one else to blame but himself and so he carries that burden around with him and it makes it very difficult for him makes it very difficult for Helen who is around and trying her very best to help him out of this or to help him through this and Connell just he torpedoes that entire relationship by not only closing himself off but also kind of leaning very heavily on anyone else but Helen so at the end of this all we have our two leads in detrimental situations and a whole plane ride apart so naturally they begin to lean on each other's friendship despite all the on and off again stuff you know they've managed to maintain and actually strengthen the friendship part of their relationship throughout and i think that made me very happy it it felt like no matter what happened these two would always have each other's back in the softest and kindest ways and they would always keep this place in their hearts for this other person no matter what was going on with them personally and it produces some very cute moments there's that part where they're on a video call together just because connell needed like someone around to talk to and stuff and he falls asleep so marianne just stays up working until he wakes up in like the in well for her it's the morning i don't know what time it was when but like she just she stayed up all that time on the call by the way just watching him sleep and <sighs> heart puddle melted to the ground made me so soft it was so cute and besides their past i think that actions like this support like this i'll always say that friendship the friendship part of a romantic relationship it's so important so important lovers like this person has to feel like a best friend even if they're not the only one and yeah they shouldn't be the only one because that that becomes its own unhealthy thing but yeah there is this unbreakable and unconditional love and support and friendship that can really anchor people until their very last days that you that you all need you'll need that anchor in your romantic relationships obviously i'm saying this knowing that it doesn't happen for everyone you know people are people at the end of the day but when it's good it's great it's so wonderful it's the best thing friendship is what helps connell seek professional help from his friend Niall. Niall is the one that pushes them but like those those kinds of things help him in the long run friendship is what gets marianne out of her bad family family situation once and for all 
it's very easy to be like okay she was just saved by connor like he swooped in and fixed everything and that's not really true i feel like all connell did was give her a chance to get out like an opportunity to see that you don't have to be here like you don't have to rely on these people she wasn't necessarily saved in that way i just i feel like she was offered an out and that's great once again denise and alan sheridan oh i hate you guys i hate you guys so much when i finished watching this movie and i reviewed it on letterbox i said that these two deserve an episode but i also specifically i made sure to mention that fuck her family they're horrible people i hate them that's not important in the eight year long making of this show of of the show of the story of this pair i i feel like this is all that it was it was all leading up to this connell has this place where his thoughts are safe and his vulnerability is encouraged and his dreams are absolutely supported marianne has this place where her heart is safe both physically and romantically and it's this place that i wished that she had in high school but i'm absolutely overjoyed that she has it now i also kind of understand why she had to have the journey that she was on though because it's it's a teaching moment it teaches us that you can't self-love yourself out of being treated poorly but at the same time that shouldn't exclude you from something genuine and healthy like you are as deserving as the next person for something genuine and healthy and this is genuine and healthy all they endured all they supported each other through and all the love all the all that what am i trying to say everything that they loved each other through yes that brought them to the point where their dreams and their lives are aligning i mean yes it it slightly goes a bit misaligned by connell going to new york but i had faith this time in them i had so much faith in them something told me they'd be all right no matter what happened no matter how his was it a fellowship i can't even remember but <laughs> how no matter how his new york trip ended they would still be okay i i just i just trusted that they were at this point in their lives where absolutely nothing could come between them because that fate was sealed and locked away in the depths of the universe and they would always just have each other's backs through everything is it even worth doing a likes and dislikes section at this point i just i personally feel like i've talked way too much and that's coming from me again this is my show so my rules and i must adhere to the format that we've set up so likes and dislikes time we start with likes i absolutely adore the quotes from here it's 
It makes me want to read the book so bad just so I can see them firsthand. Obviously, not everything gets recited from this because, like, it's largely just casual conversations between people because, you know, realism. But the highlights that people quote, I think, have all been so very wonderful. They're nearly as romantic as those grand old declarations we used to people doing in period dramas, except they obviously have the context and the weight of modern times. That dick conversation that they have, where Marianne is like, she'll look at it every day and just basically worship beautiful, so cute, so adorable. And then there's others where I think it's just super cute to hear someone say this about someone that they love. Just little cute. Even their I love yous to each other became because of where they happen when they happen and when they're said, they just became the cutest things. And there's even the less cute stuff, the emotional stuff. That that conversation they have in Connell's bedroom and Marianne is talking about how she's always felt really lonely like you you look at her life you look at everything she's endured and she when she says things like that you kind of go oh man i'm so sorry <laughs> that was that was heavy stuff useful very useful um to just quote in real life so shouts to sally rooney and alice Bursch again for that y'all did a great job i love how this feels like a solid try at adapting a book. I said it above and say it below. Movies are not long enough to cover books. Even just one book. They just they don't suffice. And I think it's proven to be true by the fact that even when a book series gets like a franchise of movies, it'll never be enough time they always tend to split the last movie into two parts because you just cannot cover something this dense in that given time. And I'm going to keep fighting for this. I'm, I'm simply begging Hollywood to adopt the power of a limited series. Like, do not be afraid of being unable to profit off a show in future seasons or being unable to profit off a movie that only has like one movie relax just think about how much good that you can do with 16 episodes an hour each and just rest my sister please you know i'm hoping that one day we get a limited series version of love rosie with accurate casting and an accurate timeline because guys that story it's so it's comedy in waiting it's waiting to be made i will i'm counting down the days in my head i really liked the music even when it was songs that i personally didn't know i liked like the music choices i thought they were solid choices and they added to every scene there is a time where i mean i mean i watch everything attentively and with my full attention but there's a time when they played a Frank Ocean song. And I remember I sat up in my chair. I was like, what? And it broke me. I nearly cried. It Nothing vaguely 
saddening was happening in the scene but just by using frank that was enough that was enough to send me overboard and they knew what they were doing dislikes there's not a lot of arguments here you know between our faves like they don't get mad at each other that much in fact i don't think there's ever a time where connell raises her voice his voice sorry at marianne which i'm so happy about that love that no one has to argue but all of that being said i hate how they break up the second time i mean technically they don't break up the first time marianne just ghosts them but that's not important i when it happened when they simply just didn't really speak to each other through things i wanted to jump into the screen and shake them violently because what are you guys doing what are you doing there's nothing i hate more than a breakup for no reason even mutual breakups where you kind of sit down and you decide you both decide that you should do this that is sort of a reason and i can come to terms with it breaking up over nuts not saying anything i had to scream i i think i did scream there's absolutely no way that this is okay guys please just talk to each other talk about it discuss it i would i would be open to you guys arguing about it if it meant that there was some form of communication like oh lovers i was so livid I know I stated before that I understood their understood why they got to that point that I was so livid. My goodness. I think the rest of my dislikes are less to do with the production and more to do with the plot. Even though I hate these things, but I understand how they were there to influence the ending that we get. So I hate them. I understand them, but I hate them. That being said, I hated both sets of friends. These were terrible terrible people my goodness what vile people they had around them connell's high school friends all of them on my fraud watch i can't believe them half the time like i understand that you know teenagers they're going through a lot of things they have a lot of troubles they're struggling i don't think it gives them a pass for being an absolute ass to people though there's no reason to treat people that badly. No. Terrible, horrible people. And then there's Marianne's college friends who are <sighs> horrible. 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 I think that the only time that these two get relief or are like blessed is when Connell meets Niall, who is a lovely and sturdy lad that does him all the good. And when Marianne meets Joanna, who is a beautiful human being that adds to her life tenfold. Like, thank goodness that they found at least one good friend each because those others. Guys, don't bring me around vile friends. Like, I, oh, there's nothing I hate more. And I'm afraid that if you bring me around them, I'll, I'll just say it out loud. Or worse, I'll be absolutely quiet in the most menacing way i'm I, th- I feel like i'm put on this earth to save everyone from wasting their time with vile people oh that was terrifying <laughs> like yeah guys good friends 
Good friends exist. Good friends are a great thing. Never be afraid to drop people thinking you will never find friends again. <sighs> Good friends will come to those willing to wait for them. The mentality that we hold for romantic love applies to platonic love too. I, I promise, I swear it. starring Cupid. I will always have energy to talk about couples that are worth it, but I'm super aware that this was everyone's long one too. Luckily, we have this fun little segment to lean on just to take us home. Though it was a little tough finding a proper category for this, I didn't know how to really wrap this up. And it was almost very difficult to find contenders when I finally decided on a category. I'd like to say right now, it was almost blasphemous to add Amy Adams and Matthew Good from Leapia to this to this um, battle. But like I said, I respect the Irish way too much, and I know they did not deserve that. So. We are rolling with the theme and giving you a Who's Your Fave Battle Irish Edition. In this corner, the complex coupling that is Francis and Nick from Conversations with Friends versus Rosemary and Anthony from Wild Mountain Time. Lovers, listen, hear me out. I've never seen either of these things. The beauty of um, the Who's Your Faith battle is I don't force myself to have watched the thing. Sometimes I just be bringing people. And like I said, it was really hard to find corresponding pairings for this for this edition. I just, I have high hopes for conversations with friends because it is also written by our lovely and talented Sally Rooney. And... After this, I am personally, I'm standing her. I'm one of her stands now. The second one, it just, it sounded good and it had still a casting, but I fear that it suffers from the Leapier curse as people do not like Emily Blunt's accent in this. And I think anyone feigning an Irish accent is bound to fail. So... With all the information given, I, I have no one to side with. I have no one to really lean towards in this battle. I am only hoping that you, the lovers, know way more than I do. Um, if it were not inappropriate, I would have used the Dairy Girls, but... <laughs> let me not, let me not say more. Let me just keep it there. You know, just, just look out for them, but let me keep it there. So... I'm gonna need y'all, need your help. Please vote for your favorites on our Twitter poll. Oh, Twitter poll. Mm-hmm. Our Twitter poll at Starring Cupid. Or temporarily on our Instagram poll at Zamati Shares. For now, it has been absolutely delectable being with you lovers. It's been a really fun time. Um, 
<laughs> lots of chatting lots of looking and analyzing but always a joy when it's a mission to talk about couples you know what i mean as you can hear i am no longer ill which means i've managed to honor my promise to myself from last week um thanks for the well wishes lovers <laughs> i am a very 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 ex- exhausted girl though very very tired booked and busy i will always take the time out to do this show for you guys but if you're like me very very tired very booked and busy i just want you to remember that you know we're people at the end of the day we're all just sacks of flesh and bone we are not the machines that some people expect us to be so take that knowledge and you know rest do something for yourself take care of your minds and your hearts and your bodies don't don't let it all get to you as if you have absolutely no way to beat the system you know fight back or else until next week i adore you all have a lovely weekend have a glorious week bye